Greetings, dear, dear listeners, and welcome to another episode of The Working Experience, a very warm, open-arm audio embrace and a squeeze. This episode is brought to you by my company, One Circle Media. One Circle Media is a hybrid digital agency and media content creator. We create and design apps, websites, videos, social media content, and physical products. We are artists, directors, designers, producers, coders, editors, thinkers, makers, and creators who embrace story and creativity from design, web and app development, animation, docs, features, TV shows, digital and social media content to physical products. For our clients, we create content that builds networks and audiences across multiple platforms. Check out our work at OneCircleDigital.com and OneCircleBrand.com. If you work for a network, studio, brand, startup, or corporation and are looking for a partner to create media that will build, engage, and entertain, reach out to me at John at OneCircleMedia.com. I'd love to hear from you. This episode is also brought to you by an app that I created called Still Believe. Still Believe transforms a picture in your home into video proof of your child's favorite magical characters. With the app, parents can catch the magic of the tooth fairy, leaving money under their children's pillow or Santa delivering presents on Christmas Eve in their home. You download the app, take a picture, and we create the magic. We utilize feature film visual effects artists to transform your picture into video. Just tell your kids that you have a special app that can detect and capture the tooth fairy then present them with the video proof in the morning. The look on their faces is priceless. Your Still Believe video is created in minutes, and you can then save it to your phone and share it on social media. The app is available for the iPhone and Android, and it's free to download. Our aim is to bring joy and wonder into the hearts of children around the world. Check it out at stillbelieve.co. Thanks, everyone, and I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Working Experience. The working experience. Route 93 North is almost at a standstill. It's a rough one out there this morning. Snow and sleet. There is no service on Stand the- clear of the closing doors, please. Uh, yeah, folks, we're going to be a few minutes. We have train traffic ahead of us. We should be moving shortly. John, we need that report ASAP. Where are we on that presentation? And HR wants to see you. Did you return that email yet? We have a team meeting at 10. To stay late, Bob. Teamwork makes the dream work. They're moving in a different and after the meeting, we'll have a breakout session. Who ate my Where are my hot pockets? This microwave is disgusting. Oh, God, what's that? He was wow. moving his Sexual toenails at his desk. I can't take it anymore. I can't take it anymore. I can't. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Working Experience Podcast. It's Maddie Kay. And John, and we have quite a podcast for you today. Yeah. Ironic. Because uh, it's about being happy and successful without being an a-hole. And John, you are a colossal a-hole. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I don't agree with this article. I think the <laughs> only way to get ahead in life is to be a complete and utter douchebag slash asshole. You know, the word douchebag is interesting. And I'd, I'd be interested interested in how you define it. Because... I remember I was. Did, uh, did I did I just walk all over the hashtag Me Too movement with douchebag? No, I don't think so. I think douchebag's no? okay. Yeah, douchebag's okay. I've heard all women right. use douchebag. 
Okay. I don't associate it with a woman. I mean, I know a douche is a feminine hygiene product. I don't know how the two became equated, but I think every, well, my point is I was, uh, my, um, girlfriend a few years ago was from Brazil and her, she spoke English fine, but it was obviously not her first language and certain idioms and expressions were kind of lost in translation. And, uh, she was friends with this woman who was dating this guy who was a douchebag. And I, I said, that guy's a total douchebag. And she's like, <clears throat> what's it? Like, she didn't like him either, but she said, what's a douchebag. And I was like, I, I was, it was kind of hard for me to describe it. I was like, I don't know. She's like, you mean like an asshole? And I'm like, not really. Um, and I, I didn't really like, I don't know. It's somebody who's very kind of smarmy and just, and kind of a jerk and kind of like self-satisfied and, and they won't like passive aggressive, like they won't do certain things. Yeah. I mean, that's that's exactly, that's exactly how I would portray someone. And it would be specifically a male. I would, I would never call a female a douchebag. I've never, I've only thought of it in terms of a guy. Yeah. Yeah. Only, only as a guy, almost like a guy who's like, like, you know, weak spined and smarmy, you know, just like, just an, like an, I don't know to say like an idiot, but. No, know, yeah. Just... Not an idiot. It's like that you didn't fill the form out in blue ink. So I'm not going to accept it just because <laughs> you didn't fill the form out. In blue ink. Like, that's a douchebag move. Yes. And and there's, like, douchebaggery. Like, um, how a guy will dress. He'll dress like a douchebag. Right. And, it, again, it's kind of, like, it, the definition is different for different people. Like, when I see a guy with a visor on and his sunglasses perched on top of his visor and he's got his, like, Under Armour golf shirt on... And it's, I don't know, I just, I, I think like... Yeah, that, that would that would be douchebag. Or what I, my personal favorite is the, the Guy Ferrari, the um, the sunglasses backwards but flipped up. Uh, Do you know what I'm talking uh, about? Yeah, that yeah. total... That's a, that's a douchebag move. Yes. Puffy pants for men, douchebag move. Yes, yeah. Stuff like that. Like, again, sometimes <laughs> it's kind of hard to define it. And that's why it's such a great word. I do remember this this female teacher. I was in her room, and she said to her class, you're being a bunch of douchebags. So she used, <laughs> she didn't care. She was just like, you're being like, douchebags. Or like fr- um, frosted tips on your oh, hair. douchebag. Total douchebag. Douche yeah. And there are certain professions that kind of lend. A lot of bureaucrats, you would say, are douchebags. Because they just like, they live to make your life a problem. You know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, you didn't fill out the form. It's supposed to be like this. You know? Like, the DMV is filled with... I think it's a requirement that you be at least part douchebag to work. When I was trying to get my license transferred up here from New York, I lost my wallet, which had my New York driver's license, like a month before I moved back up here. And I was like, all right, well, I'll just get a, a Massachusetts one. Oh, my God. I mean, this was like five trips to the DMV. Never had the right documentation. The uh, la- I think they, they have like a perverse pleasure 
Yeah. And the fact that like you're, this is your fourth time and they're like, no, this is not the right documents. Right. And right. just the, the gloating on their part. This one woman finally, like I nearly burst. I, she said, she said something and I sucked in a breath and I was like, I've been here five times. And she was like, okay, okay, okay. And she like, but you know, it's like, it shouldn't yeah, have this, to come this to guy has, This guy has suffered enough. Yeah. So like we'll, really. We'll bend the rules. Right. Right. And she actually said like, who did you see the last two times? And I, I said, I think it was some, this, and I described her and she's like, oh God, like you could tell that was the douchebag of, of all douchebags in that office. Anyway, I think this article is saying, try to avoid being that person. But there are, I mean, I've seen teachers like this who, who do stuff. I remember I was teaching at one school. I was a a long-term sub and I I wasn't this one particular class. I think it was like 11th grade honors. They had to write papers and what the teachers were doing. And they made a point of doing this. They didn't give back their rough drafts until the Friday before we went on vacation. And the final draft was due the Monday we got back. And they did it on purpose. They wouldn't give the rough draft back until the Friday before. So they were forced to work on it over the vacation. I'm like, that is such a douchebag move. Yeah, that, that's a douchebag move. Like, why? It's a vacation. Like, you, you're supposed like, I don't give work over vacation. It's, it's a vacation. <sighs> I don't do I think work. It's, this article, the message for me in this article is... It's the same thing. You can insert whatever noun or adjective you want. Don't be an a-hole. Don't right. be a dick. Right. Just, it's really, <laughs> if it, if, it's just like, what I love is like some, I hear uh, the du- douchebaggery of like an individual who is, you know, goes to church every Sunday and, you know, whatever you know, whatever, thinks he or she is a model citizen, but is then an a-hole or a a douchebag or a dick. You know what? Just stop going to church. Stop whatever you're doing. Just work on not being an a-hole. I think there are some people who go to church because they think it then gives them license to act like that. Right. In a perverse way. I mean, I honestly, I honestly think that this should be taught in schools. Like, this should be. It's like how to be a, you know, how to treat your fellow human beings with respect. That's what it comes down to. Like, do not be the the douchebag, stuck up a hole in the situation. And the other thing too is like, you know. Humans can detect that from a mile away. Like you're not fooling anyone. No. Like, and then there's some people who just don't care. They they have no care in the world that they're acting like that. And you just have to, you know, you have to deal with it. And you see it with like, you know, a celebrity. Like once they reach a certain threshold, or like like a singer or an actor or an actress, who literally everybody is fawning over them. They're surrounded by yes men. And then the way they treat other people spirals down into a black hole. Well, when you, you've been surrounded, you know, since you were a teenager and told you're special and you're the light of the world and you're, you know, everybody loves you and this and that. I mean, you have like no frame of reference, you know, so it's it's hard for those 
I mean, it's not like I have a lot of sympathy for them, but it's sort of like, you know, you have no frame of reference. Like, you just think you're you're the most special person ever. And it's like, President Obama put it very well to, uh, I forget which university he was, where he was speaking, but he said, you're not special. Stop thinking you're special. You're not. You know, like everybody's special, which means nobody's that's, that's special. That's just, exactly. <laughs> you know? I mean, that's what it is. It's like, everyone's special. Yeah. Like, the ergo nobody's special well in school at a young age i was labeled as special but it didn't quite have that connotation <laughs> to it if you know what i mean yeah, a when little, I, I thought something was was up in the fourth grade when i got a special teacher to follow me around. <laughs> right, exactly. my, my own individual teacher i knew something was up yeah or when everybody else was in the gold and silver reading group and i was in the brown reading group and right had, right we had to go to the cafeteria for reading time. <laughs> uh, Mrs. Smith, why does uh, everyone else's books have words in it and mine only have pictures? Well, well Matt. <laughs> we're just uh, trying to level things out for you. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Love. Well, you know, someone on the sports radio had a really good comment about hockey players versus baseball. I mean, uh, basketball players. And you could probably, by extension, put baseball players into this, too. No, no, I think it was specifically NBA players. Was saying, like, Zendo Chara, you know, who's on the Bruins, they're playing for, was a game five tonight? He has a broken jaw, and he's going to play. He wants to play. He got hit in the face with a puck two nights ago. And he's going to be out there. We don't know for how long. And the guy said, in the NBA, if they get a hangnail, they're crying on social media, <laughs> and they can't play for a month. Like, they get an elbow to the chest or whatever, then all of a sudden... Like, these hockey players beat the crap out of each other. And afterwards, they're slapping hands, no big deal, nothing personal. They, you know, get along and all that. And he just said, it's such more like a like a manly sport. Like, it's a sport. You play, you get out there, you you know, take your injuries and stuff. Well, you know, other professional sports. And he was saying he, he accused the NBA of being the worst of these, where it's like any little thing. It's like, you know, like, I don't know, the Celtics this year, they were all, they had Kyrie Irving. They're all like bad-mouthing each other and saying stuff, you know, just really negative. And he said, you never well, hear I, that I mean, from the Bruins. I think in the NBA, the, you know, the salaries of these guys are so, oh, goodness, like, yeah catastrophic you yeah. know they're they're like astronomical sums like making like you know 30 million dollars a year or 250 million five-year contract and it's not enough and, they'll complain about that and they'll complain and, and so the injuries you know when, when they get an injury they're looking at themselves like the playability in the future right and the, the brand of themselves they don't want to permanently injure themselves and they're, I mean, they're that, trying to like protect game. an yeah. investment yeah i know but it's like that i guess that's the problem people have i mean like last year i guess kyrie irving broke his foot i mean that's you break your foot you break your foot doesn't matter how much they're paying you but then it's it is like the attitude like you know none of this is good enough i don't like playing here and blah it's like well then go do something else you know go go be a stockbroker or whatever you were gonna do now i mean a lot of these guys you know they're 18 years old they don't go to college i think they're trying to waive that rule didn't they have like the two two years of college rule or something like that or even trying to get rid of that for the nba no they don't they don't, they don't need any college they can go right out of high school into the nba 
Oh, I thought they had a. I thought yeah. they had to go for a couple. I of mean, days. I, I, honest, I think that the um, we've spoken about this before on the podcast is I think that the the um, the players in the NCAA in college should be compensated. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, it, it's the biggest ripoff. It's the fact that the universities and the coaches are lining their pockets, and they're all standing behind the fact that they well they're getting a you know an education. Yeah, they should get an education and a check. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. No, I mean, they're, they're making a lot of money for those places. You know, my favorite, and this is related to work, uh, David Price. You know, he's one of the pitchers for the Red Sox and yeah, yeah. was credited with uh, contributing a lot to their winning the World Series. My favorite was when he came out. They were, they were like on him for not pitching well in a game before the World Series. And he's, he's had some issues in Boston. Like, people would ask him if he liked playing in Boston. He would say, yeah, it's okay. Like, he was never that enthusiastic. <laughs> but it's like, how much money are they paying you? And then he said he wasn't pitching that well because he had carpal tunnel syndrome. He had a minor case of carpal tunnel syndrome from playing Fortnite. <laughs> he actually said this in public. Jesus. He was playing too much Fortnite. And I'm like, you're getting paid to do this, right? Like, you're not, this isn't a pickup game. Like, you're, yeah. And then another time, he said uh, his, his, he had the sniffles because of the, the pollen in the air. His allergies were bothering him. <laughs> and he come up with these things where you're like, all right, maybe that's true, but people don't really want to hear that. But he kind of became my favorite pitcher. I was like, Nice. Guy's just honest. He's laying it out there. Yeah, Boston. Hey, yeah, you listen. Right. He's just how you, how you feeling? He's telling you exactly how he's feeling. Yeah, he, at least he didn't lie about it. I have carpal tunnel syndrome from playing too much. You Fortnite. know, but but that I respect more than the the diehard fan who literally wants to gouge their eyes out when the home team doesn't win. Oh, I know. Oh, I know. It's, it's great with uh, Boston sports radio because you know when the Patriots weren't weren't winning at one point in the season and oh it was all over they're done they're never going to make it to the super bowl brady's a bum all this stuff he scored a touchdown and they still said he didn't do it right <laughs> he, he didn't do it right. it wasn't it wasn't good or they would win a game oh no it wasn't a good win i'm like i you know i'm no expert on football i stopped playing in the seventh grade but when you get the ball across the goal line and it counts isn't that usually good? I don't know. We're in some other universe, um, but yeah. Well, well, yeah, well, you know, I, I was I was talking with my dad, who is uh, eighty three years old. Was he eighty three, eighty four? And we were talking about the NBA finals, which are going on right now. And he's he's like, you know, I really want to see Golden State win. I want. I don't want. <clears throat> I don't want to cheer for the Canadians. I'm like, Dad. It's the Toronto Raptors. Every guy on that team is not from Canada. They're all American. It just so happens that the franchise is in Toronto. He's like, yeah, still, I want the American team to win. I'm like, makes (laughs) makes no sense. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the way people are. They get, you know, I mean, it's kind of funny because, like, you know, since, like, the days of Joe DiMaggio and whatnot, like, there's no real home team like these these guys are from all over the place and they're they're just i mean pretty mercenary i mean they're gonna go whoever pays them enough yeah they're gonna whoever goes pays i mean look i I look at professional sports is i i enjoy uh watching it i enjoy the 
athleticism, uh, the teamwork, uh, watching plays. But at the end of the day, I could care less who wins. I like the excitement of the competition, but I could literally care less who wins. No, and this goes this goes across multiple sports, and I won't wouldn't even lose a second breath or become slightly depressed if you know the team from St. Louis beat you know the the team from New York. I could care less. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, it it does add a certain excitement when like the Patriots are in the Super Bowl, the Bruins are in, you know, the uh, the Stanley Cup Finals, or you know, the Red Sox are in the World Series. Like, you know, it. But after a while, especially with the Patriots, it can start to be really overkill. Just, well, to to link what we're talking about to sports, I was watching. I fell into the YouTube rabbit hole of watching. It was. Uh, Coaches and professional athletes, like, getting into, you know, not fisticuffs, although it almost came close with the press and sometimes with fans. And, like, coaches, like, Bobby Knight was on there. Bobby Knight was famously an asshole. Like, he was so bad. He'd get thrown out yeah, of he games. Was, he was, yeah, he was an asshole. He would throw chairs. I mean, he would, but in press conferences, he was a riot. Like, it was really funny. And it's, you know, one coach got really, really mad because one of his players was being denigrated in the press. Now, he was a college coach. And, you know, he was like, how dare you guys talk about him like that? He's 19 years old. Like, he had a bad game. Like, what's your problem? And there's always this push and pull with, like, you're a sportscaster. You've never played professional sports. One guy actually said, and it, it is really funny how these, you know, Sports reporters will go into the locker room after a game, like a football game, and stick a microphone in the face of this guy who's like 6'3", 300 pounds of muscle, who just lost a game and is pissed off and will be like, so why'd you lose that game? <laughs> like, I would not never have the balls to do anything like that, even approach the guy. When, you know, well, they they know it's on camera. The guy's not going to do anything. Well, this one guy was coming close. He was getting really mad. And uh, he was, you know, getting close. He was basically daring the guy to take a swing at him. He's like, go ahead, take a swing. Go ahead. Do He's like, you're not a man. You're not a man. You're going to talk to me like that? You, and the sportscaster's just like, they always say, hey, I'm just doing my job, which always kind of pisses me off because it's like, you can use that to justify anything. But well, well, talking about getting to fisticuffs, my brother uh, is the coach of my nephew's baseball team. Oh, my God. And AJ? AJ. Oh. And about <laughs> two weeks ago, the uh, umpire, um, the umpires in the baseball game had a series of bad calls that post-game erupted into fistfights between not only the dads but the moms oh. of the two opposing teams. Oh my god. There was a brawl. The police were called. Oh my so god. He was in this meeting because they are now having difficulties getting umps for the games. Oh, because yeah, I wouldn't do it. That nobody wants to touch this with a 10-foot pole 
because, you know, they don't want to get, you know, accosted post-game. They'd like slash your tires or vandalize your house or something. <clears throat> yeah. Well, the, the thing, what, what AJ was saying is, you know, some of these umps are, um, you know, they, they love the game, they play the game, they know the game. And then there are other umps that are, you know, the guys are like out of work and they need to make 50 bucks a game and they literally don't know baseball. Oh, wait, they, these they guys just, get paid? They get paid, yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I thought they were like volunteer dads or something. No, no, they're not volunteer dads. They, they get paid like anywhere between, I think, 20 to 40 or 50 bucks a game. I'm not sure of the pay. Yeah. But and then some of them come in there and they just they don't know what they're doing. So there are legitimate bad calls. But as a parent, you got to step back. How old is your nephew? How old these, is are, these are these are fifth graders. Fifth, oh, my graders. God. What? <laughs> you you got to take a step back. Uh, and yeah. Just, yeah. Just relax. This just is in uh, Massapequa. Take a deep breath. This is in uh, Garden City. In Nassau County. You know, if I were a person... In Franklin Square. If I were a person in authority, I would be so tempted to be like, we're done. You're not having any more baseball. Call out parents specifically. You, Bob Thompson, you ruined this for everybody. (laughs) We're done. Like a brawl at a fifth graders baseball game. Oh my God, that is pathetic. But you know, you hear about that all the time. You hear about parents who are just absolute you know they're lunatics about yeah yeah no i've seen it i've i've seen it on the sidelines i mean parents just get way too invested they they see themselves in their children and 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 this 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 is a just getting back to this article this is a prime example of being an asshole being a dick and being a douchebag yeah Prime yeah, all example. in one, all, all rolled into <laughs> all one. in one, all ra- one big burrito of douchebaggery. Can you imagine, like, uh, being arrested for assaulting someone at a child's baseball game? Can you imagine explaining that to people? Well, I got you. I mean, I got plenty of stories. There was this was about two years ago, and we were there was a uh, a soccer tournament that my son's team was hosting. And as part of the tournament, like there were like multiple teams were playing on multiple fields. But since we were running it, all the parents would volunteer. You would volunteer to like hand out the trophies or you would uh, volunteer to um, be a field marshal, right? So you would go, you would get in one of those carts and you would go from like field to field and you know make sure everything's okay so i did the first half of the day and it was like everything was fine and Jeannie did the second half of the day about an hour into it a brawl breaks out in one of (laughs) one of the fields a dad tackles another dad and like literally the police came and what had happened was the um the dad one of the dads was taking a picture or a video of his son playing soccer. And the dad who attacked him thought he was taking a video of his daughter, his 13-year-old daughter. Oh, my God. So he accused him, and he's like, look, man. He's like, look, are you kidding me? Like, I've been here all game, like, taking videos of my son playing soccer. You're being ridiculous. And then the other guy demanded that he... 
give him his phone so he could delete the the uh, the um, the you know the photos or the videos, and he refused, and that's when he attacked him. Jesus so Christ! Je- so Jeannie comes over there. The ref wants nothing to do with it. All the parents are backing up, and a hundred and fifteen pound woman is trying to break apart. You know the the guy who attacked him was like six three, two and a quarter. And the other guy was like 5'10". And there's Jeannie in there trying to break up these two monkeys. Oh, my God. <laughs> that, yeah, that's when things just go wrong. <laughs> it goes so badly. Um, it would never occur to me. I mean, granted, I don't have a daughter. But it would never occur to me that, like... I mean, if I saw some dude in the bushes or something like that and... Or was like lurking around the locker room, or you know, I don't know. But like, I'm sure weren't there dozens of parents taking videos of their kids playing soccer? Yeah, I w- I wasn't there, but and the thing is, is like those guys do exist. So like, as a parent, it, it's very difficult. It's it's very contextual, right? I would have had to have been there, and like for me, if like I was accused of something like that. I would be like, look, here's my phone. Like, to, I don't want you to delete the videos, but you're you're more than welcome to watch them. I suppose, like, and you yeah. you can see like the POV is on my son playing and not on your daughter, you yeah. know. And I and I resent the fact that you're accusing me of this, but yeah, to, you know, have have a look for yourself. Yeah, like just to just to clear the air because, but the other guy. <clears throat> Apparently, you know, and apparently, you know, one team was losing the other, you know, the other parent was yelling all game. So there was there was some backstory to it. Right. Right. Yeah. Because then when the cops came involved with a with an accusation like that, they they interviewed multiple people. Oh, so there was more to the story than just the pictures. Jesus. I I, I mean, if somebody came up to me and accused me of that, it would cross my mind to just be like, get away from me. Like, no, you're not seeing my phone. Get away from me. But I don't know. You're right. It's all in the context of the situation. Um, well, you know what I was remembering that with a sports reporter, folks, the guy, one of the football players was, you know, this reporter was asking him questions. And the guy was basically like, just get away from me. Or stop asking me those questions. And uh, he, you know, the football player was like, what do you even know about it? When was the last time, you know, you've never played football? in any kind of level. And the guy was like, yeah, I have. And he goes, okay, when was that? And he goes, middle school. (laughs) He seriously said that, the reporter. And the football player's like, middle school, congratulations. You must be an expert. But that's the whole industry, is people who do not play professional sports calling people out who do. And you can see how a professional athlete would get irritated. Like, you know, being a teacher, if someone tries to, like, call me out on it, on a way I handled something or whatever, I'm like, well, all right, but you don't know the the whole story here. Or you don't know, like, every day what this is. You don't know what, you know, what the deal is. I think most people in most professions, cops, you know, probably feel it the most. Like, they get criticized all the time. And it's like, well, yeah, but you're not out there every day in the street dealing with these situations and things like that. But I thought that was really a good one. Oh, um, this is pretty good right here. I liked uh, what he wrote. It says, um, 
he's talking about his feedback, the guy who wrote this uh, this article. And he says, but my feedback has been the non-gift that keeps on giving. I guess he's he's talking about the way he was before he sort of had his epiphany. I was always quick to remind the guy who's probably supporting three kids on 40000 a year that it took 40 minutes to get my room service. Or expecting that if I'm working at midnight, the 24-year-old who works for me should be as well. I try to compensate for the former by tipping generously, but that's paying it backward. After all, I worked my way through high school and college as a waiter, a valet, busboy, and saw myself in every service worker. Still, 25% is no excuse for being a jerk, and I'm trying to fix this. I love the idea of just paying people off. <laughs> just, you know, stuff yeah, in a 20. It, yeah, and it's it's really... You know, it, it goes to the fact that, like, nobody cares. Like, n- literally nobody cares. Everyone is dealing with their own mountain of crap. And, you know, you you roll into the restaurant or the hotel and think just because you have this platinum or black card or you're a reward member or whatever, go shove it up your ass. Yeah, like, yeah. you have to treat... the, the your, interacting with other human beings you have to be respectful you have to be nice and you should also be humble i mean that would be helpful there's really not i actually feel it's actually painful for me to watch interactions like that and i'm always on the verge of it jumping in and i have said stuff in the if someone's belittling someone in a, you know, a social status that would deem them below them. Like if, you know, if someone is teeing off on a waiter or and they're not even below them, it's just, it's a perception, right? That is, it's such a painful thing to watch. And it's, I feel bad for the person getting the, you know, online of the shit storm. But I also, I feel bad for the person like giving it because to, to do that, like to be in that, your life must be just, just crap. You must be a miserable person to yeah. destroy somebody like that. Yeah. Oh, I know. I know. I do remember one time, I didn't say anything, but I was with my friend Justin and we were in, I don't know, it was like a fast food restaurant. We were driving out to California and. Yeah, this woman just started teeing off on the woman behind the counter over nothing, really. It was like, I don't know, plastic utensils or something. And Justin is the type of person who will say something. And he looked at her and he's like, why don't you stop giving this woman such a hard time? Like, why don't you... And the woman was very taken aback that he said something. And I was like, yeah, like, stop, you know. Well, when you talk about humble, one of the greatest stories I've ever heard was uh, a friend of mine, Jim worked on uh, the first couple of seasons of Chappelle's show and they were uh, getting the studio set up. So they were, you know, bringing in all the equipment and everything. This was when they were starting the first season and there was this guy there who was helping them, you know, push carts in and things like that. And he said he was a really funny guy. He was really engaging, you know, very nice. And, um, Someone said, he looks a lot like Eddie Murphy. And they were like, yeah, he kind of sounds like him, too. And it turns out, it was Charlie Murphy. It was Eddie Murphy's brother. And he was pushing in equipment. And one of the guys all of a sudden realized who he was. And he said, he was like, oh, Charlie, he's like, 
you shouldn't be pushing this stuff in. He's like, I'm not going to stand here and watch you guys work. Like, come on, you know, and he's helping out and everything. Couldn't have been a nicer guy. It's like, wow, that's really, yeah, that, that, that's, that's rare. It yeah. reminds me of this, this story when we were living on the Upper East Side of Manhattan and we, you know, just like all other parents, we would put our kids in these stupid programs thinking they would be like geniuses. Um, so our <laughs> my, son my was... My parents did not do that, by the way. I'll just throw that Yeah, it was, it was all garbage, <laughs> just huge waste of money. So there was this thing called Little Maestros where you would take your, your son or your daughter and they would play music and they'd play instruments and all this good stuff. Very like rich, Upper East Sidey thing to do. Very expensive. So typically the mom would go with um, the child and then they would go to this place and they would sing songs. So I was in, this is when I was freelancing and I was in between TV shows. So I decided I joined Jeannie with my oldest son. My son was probably like two years old at the time. So we're in there and I'm, I'm kind of like standing in the back because there's like, there's a whole protocol to this stuff of this hands and I don't know what's going on. So I'm kind of like standing off to the back. So the end of the, um, uh, the, the class, the little maestro ends and I distinctly remember there was like a very like steep staircase up, up to the street level. So I helped Jeannie with our, uh, our, uh, what do they call that? The wagon that they push the, the crib, whatever, yeah. not, not the crib, the you baby know t- stroller. I'm sorry. The stroller, the baby carriage. Yeah. So I, I help Jeannie out with the stroller and then I see, you know, it's really very crusty Upper East Side woman. There's no one there to help her. So I was like, all right, you know what? I'll, I'll go down there. I'll give her a hand. And it's very tight, very, very tight. So I'm going up with like one hand because it would the, the it was so narrow you couldn't grab it with two hands. So I have, and then I'm kind of looking up, and I remember it was like the stairs were uneven. So at one point, like, and she wasn't paying attention. Like she was, she was grabbing it with one hand, but she was like talking with her friend. So the balance kind of got off on the on the stroller and the it kind of lurched one way so i grabbed it really quick but it was like a jarring thing and she was like horrified right yeah so we we get up we get onto the thing and she goes right over to the head of little maestros and starts screaming at him that one of his employees doesn't know what the f is going on he's got his head up his ass and she's referring to me <laughs> so the guy is just like, he just turns white and he goes, he goes, ma'am, I'm so sorry. Can you please point him out to me? Oh. And like, I'm, a, I'm like, like 12 feet away and it's getting like kind of uneasy. And she points to me and she goes, that guy. And he goes, that gentleman over there. And he's, he's like, she's like, yes. She, and he goes, oh, uh, he, he's, uh, he's Aiden's father. So I hear this and then I, and then I go over and I introduce myself and I'm like, you know, I, you know, you were coming up this, I was like, we're coming up the stairs, you know, you kind of lurched, you know, one way. And I was like, you know, you're, you're welcome for the help. And she just stormed off. So wait, she was trying to get a baby carriage up the stairs as well. <clears throat> no, she, she had no, it was a two, it was a two person job to okay. get the baby carriage up. 
Your but baby all carriage. The, uh, no, no. I already got my baby carriage up. Yes. So all the little maestro um, people that were there were helping the moms with the carriages right. up. Right, right. Okay. But she was like the last one and right. they thought everyone was up. So I looked down and I was like, oh, she needs help. So you went down to help her so with she her ass- baby carriage. She assumed I was an employee right. of Little Maestro's. And you do have your head up your ass. That's true. I, you know, I had to give it to her. She was, <laughs> she was, she was exactly right on multiple fronts. But just, I mean, she was like, she was mortified because she was looking to destroy me, you know, as an employee. But then once she realized that I was the dad, she just no, no apologies or anything. She just storms off. Yeah, that that would be. Uh... That's an a-hole right there. Yeah. That's an a-hole move. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Some people are just like that. And some, you know, some people are very nice. You hear all kinds of stuff about celebrities, different celebrity encounters, people actually, you know, being very nice. And then some people you might wish were a little nicer, but they're really not. I actually encountered Naomi Campbell on a film set one time. Uh, You know what? Ironically enough, so did I. Yeah, she was. She didn't really freak out or anything. I talked to her a little bit. She was, you know, she was fine. My my experience wasn't that uh, wasn't that great. Uh huh. I see. Well, um, I mean, Naomi, she was. She... I well, Naomi's listening. So Naomi, my experience with you was fine. Uh, <laughs> I no, mean, she she it wasn't it wasn't bad. And you know, also too, it's like she's. I mean, you know, you you don't know what's going on in their personal life. She might have been up for 15 hours. Yeah. She was just, you know, she was she wasn't rude. She was just kind of curt. You know, she was a little little bit short. But, you know, you come into that situation and you're like, you know, a, a huge star almost has to go like above and beyond. And they've got to do that for every interaction. Yeah. Like it's it must be tiring. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they meet a lot of people. and Like if you're a celebrity, right? And you're, um, you know, you're out to dinner and you're playing with your kid and you're constantly bombarded with fans coming up to take selfies and all this other garbage. You have to be a saint not to lose your shit. I'm sorry. That that would piss me off. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, you know, you can see why people, I mean, Alec Baldwin is kind of famously irascible, but... You know, I remember one time he just said, I can just get tired of people coming up to me and like ask me questions. And, you know, like I'm just not in the mood sometimes. And I, you know, he says, I tend to say what's on my mind at the moment. And then, of course, that's the only thing you ever hear. And, uh, of course, Naomi Campbell, I believe she was convicted or she pled guilty to assaulting one of her assistants with a phone or something. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. She's, yeah, she's had her moments. But, um, yeah, I mean, basically, bottom line, a friend of mine was working on a spot for ESPN, and I think it was either Terry Bradshaw or Boomer Esiason. Um, was just, you know, it was a pretty easy gig for him. Come in, little talking head thing. Said he was very nice guy. And he was talking to one of the producers, not on camera. They were just talking, and apparently his father, whoever it was, I, I want to say Terry Bradshaw, his father had also played and was, was a, I think, had a few Super Bowl rings. And he was like, you know, the one thing I learned from my dad was just treat everybody well. And he's like, that's what people will remember about you. If somebody has a personal interaction with you, 
they will not remember that you won five Super Bowls. They'll remember that you were good to them. And he said, so I've always tried to do that. And he was very gracious. He came around, he thanked the whole crew, which a lot of people don't remember to do, which buys you a lot of points, no matter who uh, yeah, you are. Ab- absolutely. I mean, I think everyone has, you know, just taking it back to work, I think everybody has encountered an a-hole, a dick, or a douchebag at work. I would say that might be a universal shared experience. And I would say everyone has been a douchebag, an a-hole, or a dick. We've all, <laughs> we've all had our moments. No, no question we, we, about we it. All, we all have. We all have had our moments. Yeah. I mean, I got kind of, you know, I, I try to tell kids, and adults do this too. Like, I have two periods when I don't have students in the room in a day. I have four periods when I have students. Do not come into the room when I'm teaching another class, like with your personal thing, because I need to give them my time. You know, I, I cannot be distracted in the middle of talking, and adults do this constantly. I, I would be outside, you know, the little window. That's what they do. Classroom. Yes. I would be just knocking. Yes. And, and then you'd give me like the one finger, like, hold on a second. And I'd knock again. <laughs> right. I'd, I'd, I'd point, pointing to like my notebook. Be like, Mr. Kerr. Ms. Yeah, right. Exactly. Constantly. No, that, this is what happens. But adults are doing that. They do that. You know, I'm like right in the middle of something and I'll, I'll you know, I'll go like open the door a little bit. I'm like, yeah, what, you know, like, what is it? And, and I've told, stu- like one kid said I was rude to her. I'm like. I told you, do not come. Was I rude to her? Yeah, I was kind of rude to her. But it's like I got to send you a message. Stop doing that. But again, to adult with you know, adults don't really think anything of it either. They just walk in. I'm in the middle of a sentence. Oh, I just need to get. I'm like, do you see that I'm standing here talking? <laughs> like, are you processing this information? I've got twenty kids in front of me. It is very difficult to hold their attention for any length of time. And they don't want to listen to what I'm babbling and droning on about anyway. <laughs> so, right, exactly. You know, but really, I mean, some adults, and I, I'm probably guilty of this too, and I just don't know because we never know this about ourselves, but are just utterly clueless. It's like, don't walk in and interrupt me in the middle of a sentence. Like, what, what is, what's going on with, in your head? You don't need to hand me that right now. I have a mailbox. Go put it in my mailbox. You know, I, yeah, no, I mean, there are countless times when I've when I've fallen under the category of a hole, dick, or douchebag. Many, but I, many. but I would say now, thousands. I would say tens of thousands. Tens of thousands I mean, yeah. we, I mean, we got a, we got a lifetime here, <laughs> but I've always now, as I've gotten older and just a, a slight bit of maturity. And I'm talking about a sliver a of maturity. Bit, I'm not, a little bit. I'm not yeah. even talking about the whole cake. I'm just yeah, talking about a no, little no. sliver. Yeah. <clears throat> I constantly monitor my thoughts, my words, my actions to make sure that I am not, I don't fall into that category. And sometimes you can't help it. You're like, I can't, you know, people are going to perceive me how they perceive me, Right. To certain people, I might be a white privileged asshole. Mm-hmm. Very well could be. Yep. I mean, to I don't know, maybe 100% of the population, I could easily fall under that category. But I, I always, you know, I'm tr- I put my best foot forward. And then also, too, there's, there's also a, a general lack where I really, 
deep down, except for my, my family, my friends, and my, my close acquaintances, I don't care what you think. I, I just, I really don't care. But that's not an excuse for me to, you know, be a complete moron. I'm just well, saying, I just, I, I don't care. I don't think you can exhaust yourself always thinking about interact. I mean, I do it all the time. Like, was I rude to that person? Did I... I think with me, it's usually my tone of voice and my attitude is like, you know, I'm just done dealing with you. Just stop. Like, you know, no, I'm not, you know, whatever it is, like, just put it over there. You know, if someone tries to hand me something, I'll be like, just put it over there. Like, you know, I, I take a tone. And then sometimes I think, yeah, I shouldn't have done that or whatever. And then I think, why am I worrying about this? Just like, forget it. You know, who cares? Just move on with life. They'll get over it. They'll probably live. You know, what is something I do wonder, though. I usually stay at the Sheraton in Brooklyn when I come down to New York, which is good. I always enjoy my stay there. And uh, when I come in, people will, you know, at the counter, at the desk, will be like, oh, hello, Mr. Kerr, how are you? And da-da-da. And I really feel like telling them, please, you don't have to call me Mr. Kerr. Like, you don't have to, you don't even have to acknowledge my presence. (laughs) <laughs> you know and because I, I start to wonder like what do they really think of me do they really resent me as being some like as you say privileged you know white person you know and i, I really want to say but i feel like larry david like if i actually started one of these interactions it would go terribly wrong like if i said you don't have to call me mr kerr or please like they would take that the wrong way <laughs> well no it's it's true it's like I, i'm always you know, faced with that is like when I, when I go into a hotel or I get car service or whatever, I'm, I grab my own bags. I'm a able-bodied human being. I yes. can do it. Like right. I can grab the bags. Yeah. But then at the same time, it's like, they're looking to, you know, impress me with their service and yeah. they want to go the extra mile. So right. it could be an, in, an indirect insult for me to be like, no, I'll get that. And sometimes if I'm on a hurry, I'll be like, no, I got it. I got it. You know, and do they take that right. as insulting as opposed to them just grabbing the bag? Right. So it, it, it's a, it's a dance. It's not, it's not, <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> it's not black and white. You know no. what I mean? And, and it's like, and the other thing too, is like, I like the one thing I'll do is like, if I'm with my kids, my kids will carry their own stuff. Yes. Like they're an adult is not going to take my kids stuff. That's where right. I draw the line. They can take my stuff. Happy, you know, happy to do that. But my kids, they take, they, they lug their own crap. I, um, I was watching this documentary on Conor McGregor, you know, the UFC fighter. And it was, it was really good. And he was, um, you know, he, uh, I mean, he, he really is a rags to riches story. He did grow up very poor and, and all of that. And, he was then in Las Vegas, you know, he, he was earning hundreds of millions of dollars and, um, he, uh, he was on a photo shoot, something like that. And this guy is walking with him with an umbrella over him, over, you know, to keep the sun out. And he was like, to keep, to keep the sun out, keep the sun off of him. Oh, Jesus. And he was, he was very proud of this. He was like, you know, Oh, you know who the, mother effer is on set because he's the guy with someone holding an umbrella over now again he he did grow up very poor and this is all very heady for him and it, it, it occurred to me that was probably to keep his skin from getting burned because they had to you know from changing color because they had to shoot him during the day right. it was it was right. probably not just to like kiss his ass but to you know for practical 
reason, but it's like having to run alongside somebody holding an umbrella over them. Uh, that's oh. that's a rough. Well, one. they they people do have you know male butlers. Oh yeah, I think I think P Diddy had a male butler, or maybe still does. A manservant. Yeah. Well, um, we're coming up on the end here, so I'll, I'll just leave you with this. Uh, the author of the article, let me get his or her name here, give him some some credit, a shout-out from the working experience, because now that we've mentioned his name, Scott Galloway, I mean, his career is just going to skyrocket. Yeah, the, the, his, his web uh, servers are crashing as I mean, we speak. Who is this guy that the working experience is talking about? This is, I'll have to delve more into this article. I kind of gave it a scan over, but he, he has a very good word of wisdom. <laughs> that, that's how Maddie Kay reads articles. Hey, I'm real. The old, the old scan over. Well, the I old don't have Z. any attention span anymore. Nobody does. Zero. Yeah. It's just flipping through Instagram. That's my attention span. Well, what I like to do is like it's a really long, heady article. I like to read the first sentence and the last sentence <laughs> and then it. formulate my opinion based on that. Done. Uh, I, I can fill I can fill in the middle. So he says here at the end, very good piece of wisdom. Uh, nobody ever says at a funeral he was too generous, too kind, and much too loving. Nobody ever. So n- nobody's ever going to say, "Gee, that person was just too nice to people." So you're you're not going to lose anything by being nice. So uh, not good. Sh- let me give a shout out to Scott Galloway. This is. This is a good article. I like this because it's not filled with the usual, um, you know, Instagram affirmation crap. He, he has some good things to say here. <laughs> really, I mean, it's not just like yeah, I mean, the I mean, it's bottom lines. line is is really just don't don't be an asshole. Yeah, and, and it, the, it the, fun, the funny thing is about it is your, um, it's it's going to benefit other people, but it's also you could do it from a selfish aspect. Like you're going to be happier like hug people smile more it's it's gonna it's gonna release natural um what are those things called endorphins like natural or... yeah endorphins yeah. whatever it is just don't just don't be an ass don't be a douchebag don't yeah. be a dick don't be an asshole it's it's really simple <laughs> yeah i mean it's it's amazing how some actors don't realize just how expendable they are like they like a, a lot of times a, a you know someone's career is because people like working with them like they're 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 good on set they're professional they treat people well and other people don't and they they don't realize like do you know how replaceable you are like i don't care who you are they'll get someone else to play batman i mean right. you know your right. career exactly. your career is a month from being over and, and it's amazing how, like, I remember this woman on Third Watch. This was a show that was on. It was the first show I ever worked on uh, when I got into the film industry. And this, she was a lead actress. She was awful to people. She was just so, she was such a jerk. She would be late for things. And I remember the producer saying, I can't wait till the show ends because that woman is never going to work again. She had such a bad reputation. And he's like, he was talking to someone else. I was just overhearing this. He's like, she doesn't understand that outside of this show, she's nobody. Like, this show was on at 9 o'clock on Friday nights on NBC. Like, come on. 
and yeah, and and word travels quickly oh. that you're difficult to work with. And forget it. Like there's there's a thousand other people with their headshots sitting in the casting agent's office that they can yeah, exactly. pick from who won't be difficult, who will treat people nicely, who will be, you know, well, I remember my roommate at the time, his girlfriend was the talent PA. So she had to deal with this woman. And it was like she would make them walk her dog and stuff like that. And she said she didn't want to be summoned to set because it made her feel like a dog. So they had to, like, come to her room and, and like, request that she come to set. Like, she didn't want it called over the walkie. Like, lady, who are you kidding me? Yeah. Like, who do you think you are? Like, honestly, like that show was off the air. I think one more season and it was gone. You never heard of her again. Never. Right. Because of that. So anyway, people, um, don't be like me. Don't be like John. Don't have that sense of entitlement that nobody can figure out why I feel that way about myself. Well, I blame this podcast for that. Yeah, true. I mean, I, I now walk around I like I, I own the place. I know. And, that's, know. and that's primarily because of the success of this podcast. The problem is people are asking me to sort of drop these nuggets of wisdom like on demand. And I, I yeah. it's tough. You know, it's tough. Well, I mean, it's always, you know, we, we give this to the, the millions of fans for free. For free. For free. And it, it really nudges at me at night. I mean, I should be charging like, I don't know, hundred grand an yeah. episode. I know. But, you know, that's not what it's all about. <laughs> not <for us. laughs> it's not about money. You know. Now, if no. anybody's listening and you can get on my GoFundMe page, I'm just looking for like 75 bucks <laughs> to carry me over to the next yeah, month. Yeah, no, just on a serious <laughs> note, I need a new stove. So if you guys can uh, jump on there and throw some bucks down, uh, I'd appreciate it. A few bucks, just a few bucks to t- <laughs> tide old Matty over, you know. I'm switching back to domestic cheese. I mean, I'm really kind of sacrificing here, you know. All right, everybody, thanks a lot for listening. Appreciate it, and uh, we'll get back at you very soon. All right, everyone, thanks for listening, and until next time. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of The Working Experience. We'd like to thank our sponsors, One Circle Media and the Still Believe app, the only app that delivers video proof of the Tooth Fairy and Santa by simply taking a picture. Download the app at stillbelieve.co today and amaze your kids. And if you work for a studio, network, startup, or corporation and are looking for a partner to create media that will build engage and entertain your audience reach out to me at john at onecirclemedia.com i would love to hear from you and that's it the end the sweet end until our next audio encounter